Good morning, church. Thank you so much, Pastor. You are a blessing. I've, I've been watching your pastor for years. I mean years. I'm not going to tell you how old I was, 19. The first time I heard of and got a, acquainted with uh, Brother Sawyer, and I'm going to tell you, he has always been a man of God. And the students that have impacted his life that I met at Southeastern Bible College back in the day have told me the stories, and then I saw it firsthand. He is, and our first lady are, the real deal. Thank you, Jesus, for your pastors. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to preach about you today. I'm going to preach about your first lady and you. Everybody say it's about her and it's about me. If that's all right. Now, Pastor, would he wouldn't mind if I preached about him, but he knows that when I get into this message that I'm doing the right thing. God gave me this for you today, and so I'm preaching it. And if you don't like it, too bad. I got the microphone. Mm-hmm. Shoot. Where was I? Preaching. Grab your Bible. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And um, I'll tell you, while you're looking that up, I want to introduce my bride, because I don't always get to travel with my lady, but um, Hush Marine is my, my, my bride. We've been married 19 years, and she's here. Honey, would you come up here? Just come. You can stand right here. I won't make you come all the way up, but this is my lady, y'all. That's right. She's my lady. Lady, your love is the only love I need. Mm-hmm. And beside me is where I want you to be. Because my love is all. Come on, Brian McKnight. I want you to know you're the love of my life. You're my lady. Mm-hmm. That's my. Yes, sir. Uh huh. We go all the way back to the back hallway. Because when you show love to your lady, all the men respect that. We understand that. And uh, this is my bride. Will you just greet everybody? I'll talk about this stuff, but you just greet everybody, honey. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. We had so much fun yesterday. I had some barbecue. It was delicious. And um, we have two boys. They are uh, 15 and 12, Isra and Isaiah. Our 15-year-old is 6'6", so we're hoping he'll pick up a basketball and take it as far as he can. They look like me. Actually, they look like you, and they got my hair. So you can imagine. (laughs) But thank you. Good morning. Thank you, baby. Now you know. Oh, oh, 2 Kings chapter 4. And and while you're looking that up, I do have um, messages available. You can meet my bride outside. She'll be out there. And uh, you can get some of this ministry material and take it home with you. This will bless your life. I have a series back there I'm preaching out of this morning called No Trespassing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that message is powerful, all about forgiveness. You ever have somebody that you didn't want to forgive and then you realize it was holding you back? Oh, man, I learned that forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then realizing the prisoner was you. And I wrote a whole series, a whole series called uh, No Trespassing. Everybody go, ooh, ah. Do it backwards. Do it frontward, but real big. I love all of you. Holy Spirit fingers to everybody. But you can get these DVDs. I love that at the end of every message, this is a series I did also called Deal or No Deal, about holiness in the midst of a world that has lost their way. How do we walk in, per- in perfection in the presence of God, even though everything around us seems to be falling down? This series, I will bless you too. Let's try it. Let's see if you got it. I love you. At the end of every message, I actually give an opportunity for people to accept Christ. So here's what I recommend. If you have a loved one or somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus, get the DVD. Put them in your car. People, put any sinner you want in your car. Any sinner will do. Put them in your car and lock the doors. Don't let them out, baby. Drive. Just drive. Drive, drive, drive. Drive, drive. If they get hungry, go to a drive-thru. They get thirsty, go to a drive-thru. They got to go to the bathroom, stop at 7-Eleven and get them a Slurpee cup. But don't let them out your car. They're going to get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then you can take an offering in the front seat. Hallelujah. Got to pay for that gas. Shoot. 
I also have a book that we, we did, and it was awesome when Charisma approached me about writing for them. And, and they said, Alan, what do you want to write about? I said, I want to write about victory. People in Bama already understand victory. Y'all done live victory. You know, whether you're rolling tide or war and eagle, y'all know some victory, okay? I'm a Miami Hurricane fan. We know some prison. You know what I'm saying? We know some prison. Shoot. Don't look at me like that. I've never been to prison. I'm too cute. Eat me. And that's what the prisoners told me. <laughs> but I wrote this book all about victory, and I, I, I just believe that victory is so much more than success. Success is debatable depending on who describes it or who prescribes it. But victory is totally different. When you're walking in victory, people who around you, they see it and they want it too. And they look at you and they go, uh-uh. That is not the sister I knew in junior high. That is not the brother I knew in high school. And you look back at him and say, that's right. I'm not what I used to be. Look what the Lord has done. That is victory. And so I wrote a book all about victory. And and when I finished the book, I was like, Jesus, please let somebody buy the book. Jesus, please. And they did. Check this out. My book outsold Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen's book releases. Hey. For nine days. That was it. Nine days. And uh, then they crushed me. But uh, literally, um, Amazon's on their fourth order of the printing of this book. It's just blown up, and God has blessed it. I want to get this in your hands. I'd love, if I have time, because we're going to be in the altars, if I have time to run up there and sign them, I'd love to sign your book and just encourage you firsthand. And, um, and then I brought these for the dudes yesterday, and they wanted me to share them. They, they decided that it's okay for you to have one. So I have a shirt that I made for people who hate the devil. If you love the devil, don't buy this shirt. I hate everything about the devil. I hate how he smells. I hate how he talks. I hate what he does to marriages and families. I hate everything about it. It could be said that I'm a devil hater. It could be said that. Shoot, I don't care. So I made a shirt. It says, devil, I'll cut you. If you hate the devil, it should drive you to do the right thing. The only way you can cut the devil is to know your word. The only weapon we have, our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty. The weapon we have is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. The only way you can do damage to the devil's kingdom is to know your word, live your word, and apply your word. And when you do that, you are a weapon in the hands of God for generations to know him. So, I didn't just make a shirt. I made it in grown folk sizes. That's right. You my model, handsome. Bam. Because I got 3X, 4X, and 5X for people like me who have a little bit more real estate. Not just y'all skinny people. You can put on a, a, a bubble gum wrapper and look good. Some of us are little grown folk. We need a little more. You know what I'm saying? Shoot. Y'all having fun yet? Oh, you, this is all about you, first lady. You just watch. I'm about to mess this house up. Not my own strength. This is the word. So whoever wants these, if you're a teenager and you love your parents, or you think you're a teenager and you love your parents, you can run up here and take these and give them to your family. Mm-hmm. There we go. Oh, late to the party, but you're still cute. Little cutie pie. I'm going to put them in my pocket. Second Kings chapter 4. If you're ready, say let's go. Okay, I'm going to go quickly if that's okay with you. The Bible says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. I already love this woman. And so it was, as often as he passed by there, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Then she said the magic word. She said, please. Every lady in the house, say please. I'm going to teach you how to get everything you want from your husband. Just say please. Mm -hmm. She says, please, let us build a small upper room for him on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table and a chair and a lampstand. She was very specific, wasn't she? And as often as he passes by us, he can turn in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And it happened one day. What does that mean when the Bible says that it happened or now it happened? What I read is what had happened was 
that one day Elisha came into the upper room and he turned in and lay down there. And he called his servant Gehazi saying, call the Shunammite woman. Mm -hmm. And when he had called her, she stood before them. And he spoke to his servant Gehazi and said, say now to her, you speak to her, speak to her. Say now to her, girl, you've been concerned with us with all this care. Can I speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered and said, "Mm -mm, I dwell among my own people. And we see that she walks away. So he says to Gehazi, he goes, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi says, well, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. How many of y'all ladies just keep getting younger? But the truth is, your husband's just plain old. Raise your hand. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. (laughs) He's like, don't you raise your hand, woman. So Elisha says to his servant Gehazi, call her. And when he called her, the Bible says she stood in the doorway. And he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. No, my Lord, man of God, the woman replied, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Father, I pray this morning that in 30 minutes you take us so deep in the word that we get lost in your presence. Father, I pray that transformation would spur us to love, good deeds, and understanding our identity in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I love the word. I love the word even more than I love my family, and I love my family a lot. And, and, the, and, and the people of my family are just different. Some of y'all had normal parents. I had crazy parents. Okay, how many of y'all got crazy parents? Let's tell the truth. Whether they're here with us or they're passed on, they were crazy. My mama and my daddy, crazy, real crazy, crazy, crazy. Both of them are military veterans. My mama's a seven-year Army lieutenant. My mama's a beast from the southeast. You know what I'm saying? And and my mama was an Army lieutenant. My mama's a 50-year public school teacher and a Pentecostal preacher's wife. You don't get worse than that. I never got away with nothing. And I remember when I was growing up, my mom would do some strange things to my dad. They would invite people over to our house to, to, to teach them about Jesus, but they would invite complete and total strangers to our house to tell them about Jesus. My mom, we were in the military, so my mom would go through the BX, the PX, some of y'all know about the grocery store, and she'd push her cart, and she'd find these young military women. This is spiritual, you'll see. She'd find these young military women in the frozen food aisle, and she would accost them in that aisle. She'd be like, oh, no, my sister, I know I don't see a hungry man for frozen dinner in your cart. Girl, you are in trouble, trouble, trouble. Come over here. And she'd walk over with her. Look at my cart. She'd look at her cart. I have rutabagas. I have vegetables. I have fruit, fresh meat. I have herbs and spices. She said, girl, you're going to come to my house tonight. I'm going to teach you how to cook from scratch, and I'm going to save your marriage. And they would show up. Complete strangers. They did it all the time. I can't remember a Christmas, a Thanksgiving, any special holiday that complete and total strangers weren't in our house. We had hobos in our house. We had prostitutes in our house. We had political people in our house. We had popo in our house. We had everybody in our house. And by the time we finished lunch, they were saved. By the time we got to dessert, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then we would dunk them in the bathtub upstairs. My parents were crazy. One time we had these hippies come. You remember hippies? We had hippies come. And my dad would always ask the same question, what is your relationship like with Jesus? And the hippies go, Jesus, we don't know about Jesus. We worship stars. We worship mountains. My mom was like, no, you don't. I'm like, oh, snap. She's like, Alan, go get the projector. No, mama, not the projector. These are good people. Alan, listen to me. Go get the projector. I look at my dad for some relief. He's like, you better put that projector, boy. So I go get the projector. When I get back, you hippies are dead. You're dead. I come back with a big projector. Remember the huge one? You used to beg the teacher. Teacher, teacher, teacher. Let me run the film through the machine. Put the little piece on the back reel. Roll it up. Pull down the blinds. Put it on the kitchen table. Pow. Showing it on the screen. Those old school, scary, left behind movies from the 70s a distant thunder prodigal planet a thief in the night some of y'all don't know what those are in the 70s they made movies about the rapture 
after the rapture was the end times. It was perilous and scary. They were chopping people's heads off that lived for Jesus. It was who and what sick person makes Christian horror movies. Larry Norman singing that song. Husband, wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Remember that? Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And while they're chopping people up, I'm like, ah, ah, white people are crazy. And the hippies are over there like this. Is that true? My dad's like, yes, it is. What do we do? On your knees, sinners. <laughs> I just came here for the chicken. <laughs> this was my house every week. My parents were crazy. And they figured out something. They figured out that, that our house our, was a gift from God, not just to enjoy of our own family's accord, but to spread the love and the cheer and the, and the kindness and the hospitality to the entire community. And they would invite people over for them to know the love of God. They believed our house was a gift from God to be given to others. It's called hospitality. Now you know why I'm preaching about you. This church has a gift called hospitality and it started from the top from the throne room of god it flowed down through your pastor your first lady into us we are dangerous at calvary because we have a heart and a mind to serve and reach people who can't give anything to us back we are a house of hospitality I've come to tell you that your hospitality has made room for you. You think you made room for God, but you made room for God, and he's now making room for you. And you made room in your heart for others. God has made room for your dream. Everybody has a dream. The woman of Shunem had a dream, but she was too afraid to ask for it. She had Elisha in her house. Oh, I wish I could go into detail. Get the DVD. I wish I could tell all the details, but I got something specific for you today. She had the, the example of Jesus walking the earth in her home. The pre-incarnate example of Christ. How do I know? Because many of the things Elisha and Elijah, his, his forebear, the things they would do, Jesus would emulate in the New Testament. That's how bad them boys were. He had a hotline to God. He was the prophet for the entire then-known world. He was bad. She had him in her home, and all she had to do to get it is to get she and her husband, Bob Villa, to build an addition on their house for the man of God. That's all they had to do. You're slow, but you're worth waiting for. And now he's there. And instead of him saying, thank you, I just, you're, you're just wonderful. He says, what can I do for you? See, we think we're doing God a favor. We get saved. We accept Christ. You're not doing him any favor. You're blessing you. Everything you think you're giving to him, you're really just giving to you. Tithe ain't nothing but returning what he already gave you. He gave us 100% in advance. And he says, just hit me up on the backside. And so he's, he asked, what can I do for you, girl? Do I, you need protection? Do you need anything? She goes, I'm home folk. What you talking about? That's the translation. It's ghetto. I'm home folk. This is where I'm from. These are my people. I don't need anything. I love that. But it confuses me. Because if, if Jesus or an example of Jesus or a major prophet like that asked me if I wanted something, shoot, I'm, ask, I'm answering and I'm asking for everything. Jesus, I want a billion dollars tax-free. Number two, I need the Miami Dolphins to win a Super Bowl. I know I'm asking for too much. You know what I'm saying? And I want one day where I can do any sin I want because I want to smack some people. <laughs> Is that wrong? Doesn't everybody have a day of smack? You just want to, okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Jesus. No more smacking. Hallelujah. She asked him for nothing, and she freaks me out. So I started to study because I didn't understand her. And, and they never tell us her name. Now, we know names. Names help us understand her, their identity. And so not giving us her name was telling us something. Shunem, a woman of Shunem, a woman of note, a woman of renown, the woman of Shunem. Shunem means a place of peace and of rest. When that helped me a lot. I know who she is now. 
She's a woman who's at peace with who she is and at rest with where she is. And she's no longer striving to become or achieve anything or gain something for herself. She's only trying to give. I know who she is. She's a spiritual grandmama. That's what she is. Grandpa the same way. Their whole life is about serving others. Their whole life is about serving you. Grandmama, everything she does is for you. She got the world's largest purse. Ain't nothing in that purse for her. It's for you. Some of y'all grandmamas didn't even bring your purse into church. You know why that mug too heavy? You need a shopping cart. We need to put a shopping cart out there for you. You got candy in your purse you don't even like. That candy is for them grandkids to get them high and send them home to you. That's her right. She's grandmama. Grandmama got medicine in her purse she doesn't need. Tylenol, Advil, Motrin. She even got some Midol in her purse. You know she don't need that. She power surged out of Midol a long time ago. That Midol's for you and your little cramping self, baby. Grandmama's whole life is about you. How can she serve you? How can she bless you? She doesn't even want you to ask for anything. She she wants to already have perceived that you need it and provided it. Grandmama's whole life is about you. You know what the kingdom of God needs? It needs people that will rise up with the spirit of hospitality, and they will be spiritual grandparents to another generation. You can be seven or 107 and be a spiritual grandperson. It's just someone who says, I just want to make your life better the key to hospitality. What can I do to serve you? Uh And because of this, Elisha says, girl, I want to do something. And and she says, I'm good and walks away. He has to call her back. That's how far she was gone. And when she comes back, she doesn't even come all the way in the room. Can you see her now standing in the doorway? He says, girl, I'm going to give you what you are afraid to ask for. I've come to tell you that God has seen your, your, your service. God has seen your hospitality. And there's things that you haven't prayed so that others could hear it. You've prayed it so only God can hear it. And God did hear it. And he said, I'm going to give you what you were afraid to ask for. I'm going to give you what you're afraid to tell these people in this church that you're believing God for. I'm going to tell you that God's going to take you to a dimension that people can't explain. And people are going to say, I'm so glad I was at Calvary when the floor... Uh, built up in foundation and the roof came off the building and we went to another dimension. I've come to tell you that you're in a place and you're on the ground floor of an incredible opportunity. God is about to pour blessing into this house and he's unscrewing the top off of this bottle and he's about to pour oil into this house like you've never seen before. This isn't a sermon. This is a prophetic word. God is pouring his anointing into this house. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. They're going to say, who is this new guy, George Sawyer? Who is this new guy, Brother Sawyer? Oh, we're not new. The foundation's been laid for 30 years, but now you're seeing it. I'm telling you, the secret known as Calvary is about to get out to another level. And for God to bring a blessing to this house, guess where he has to start? Your house. It starts with you. Trust God. You better sign up to serve. You better sign up, young people. If you expect to see God bless your dreams, you need to invest yourself into somebody else's. And you watch what God does in your life. Oh, I'm not done. I'm just getting warmed up. Shoot. I got 18 more minutes. The Bible says that, he says, about this time next year, I've come to tell you something. About this time next year, you're not going to recognize the situations and the problems that came up this year. You're not going to recognize. As quickly as things turn, they're going to turn right back around. Oh, man, there's so much more. Did you notice that Elisha didn't talk to her directly? He talked through an ambassador. He was showing her matriarchal honor in her home. He was showing her a formal gathering honor by speaking through an emissary. That's what God does with you. He, he uses you as an ambassador to share his message with the world. He chooses to show us that kind of honor that we would hear from each other. Because the, as the Israelites said, if he would have spoken, the, the, the earth would have shaken and torn apart. 
He didn't want to speak as the dictator that he is, the king that he is. He said, I'm going to use just just common man to speak to you. I trust you enough to carry my message. Oh, man, he showed her honor because she showed her husband honor. What was the word she used for her husband? Please. Please. Watch this. The Bible says that she had her son. And one day the, the boy went out to his father while his father was in the field. He says, Daddy, my head hurts. Daddy, Daddy, my head hurts. He, he said, take him to a, his, his mama. They take the boy to his mama. Get this. It's crazy, y'all. The boy sits on his mama's lap until noon. And get this. The boy dies. I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I love you, Jesus, but I don't understand. Why are you going to give a woman a, a miracle baby and then kill the baby? Why? I don't get it. Some of y'all right now are like, oh, preacher Allen, you don't understand. God did not kill that baby. Sin in the world killed that baby. Shut up, fool. I got the microphone. If you're under 8, 10 years old, you can't say that word. You're going to get a whooping. I got the microphone. I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how smart you think you are, how smart I think I am, none of us know why bad things happen to good people. We cannot explain it. I've done study after study. That's all I do is study. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no explanation why bad things happen to good people. But I can tell you this. We serve a God who always rides in and saves the day. He is the hero of heroes. And he's riding your way right now. Boy's dead. Her dream is dead. You ever had a dream die? You ever had something you were so afraid to even tell your friends about that you were hoping for? And then before you could even expose it or explain it, it already starts to crash and burn. You ever had a business dry and die? You ever had a marriage dry up and die? Have you ever had an educational desire dry up and die? Have you ever had something you thought was a sure thing and it died just as fast as it sprung up? Then you are understood by this woman. She takes her dead dream. She picks it up and she goes up to the bed of the man of God, the bed that she built with her husband. And she lays him in the bed. She closes the door and goes out to her husband and she says, honey, 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 please. That word please she used there. I love how Jews write because when they write, there's usually a picture in the word. And the the word picture there is to curtsy and request an audience of a king. Please. She showed her husband the same honor when times were bad as when times were good. Lady, I told you, I'm going to tell you how to get everything you want from your husband. You treat your husband with honor when times are good and honor when times are bad. And guess what? He'll do anything for you. He'll go through a wall for you. He'll slay dragons for you. They do it all for honor. The Marine Corps, all about honor. The Army, all about honor. The Air Force, all about honor. The Department of Homeland Security, our, 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 our great coasties, honor. They do it all for honor. The Navy, honor. Our armed forces are all about honor. They fight for the honor of our nation. I've come to tell you something. Your man will do anything for you if you honor him. Anything. Number one in a 40-year study of men and their desires of their wife. Number one is honor. Number two is respect, and they're totally different. Number three, nope, not what you think, food. I do marriage conferences all over the country. Food. What you're thinking about is number six. Because if a man's getting one, two, and three, he ain't going to worry so much about four, five, and six. But you don't give him one, two, and three, he's going to be looking for six every single night. Oh, that'll preach all day. Come on now. Some lady just went, ding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one lady said to, said to my pastor's wife, she said, I don't cook. And she said, do you read? You got YouTube, you ain't even got to read. Where was I, Jesus? She goes with her husband and says, honey, please let me ride the man of, let me get a donkey and a servant and ride 7.5 miles over the man of God at Mount Kamalate, and I'll be right back. Her, her husband goes, girl, why? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. Why go now? She looks at her husband and she says, it is well. That is what? You lying. 
It is. It ain't well. Your dream dead. What you talking about? Well, ain't nothing well about that. Why aren't we being real? Because instead of being honest, she was telling the truth. I'm tired of people being honest with me. Honestly, don't be honest then. Because I don't really want to hear all your drama. I don't, it's not about that I don't care about you. It's that sometimes we just got to tell the truth. The reason why you walked in the back door and people looked at you and they go, how are you doing today? And you went, I'm good. <laughs> you know why you did that? For the same reason I fixed my truck the proper way. I got a big black Ford diesel truck lifted. Black smoky diesel with 35 inch tires that's right i'm a black redneck son i like fishing i want to go hunting nobody will take me they're scared i'm gonna shoot the gun like this but i'm gonna tell you the truth is i want to be a country boy because i want to be able to handle my business you know what i'm saying and so so man i got this truck and when i have problems with my ford truck i don't take it to gm gm didn't make my truck even though gm is an amazing Amazing Allison 1000 transmission on the Duramax diesel. Amazing company. I don't take it to Ram or Dodge. We know Dodge, you know. I don't take it to Ram, even though Ram has the Cummins. Whoa, what a great diesel engine. And they have the PTO system that's legit. I don't take it to them because they didn't make my truck. I don't even take it to Mercedes, who Rudolph Diesel brought his patent to when he first created the diesel engine. I bring my Ford back to because Ford, <laughs> Ford is the manufacturer, and GM Ram and Mercedes did not promise me six years and 60,000 miles of trouble-free service, and neither did Ford, really. When I have a problem with my Ford, I take it back to Ford because they're the manufacturer. See, the reason why you don't tell everybody your problems, the reason we don't tell everybody our issues, is because they didn't manufacture our life. When we have problems with our life, we take it back to the manufacturer of life. And we call on the name of the Lord. We say, Jesus, I need some help with this life you gave me. I need some warranty work. And I know there's a recall on them kids. I'm sorry, Lord, for saying that, Jesus. I'm, forgive me. She says it as well. And I'm like, this girl's crazy. But her husband didn't promise her a baby. Who promised her the baby? The representative of Christ. So she went looking for her mountain. And her husband let her go. I could preach all day about that. Uh, It's it's on the DVD. She gets to the mountain. And the Bible says, afar off, Elisha sees her and goes, hey, Gehazi, look, it's the Shunammite woman. Now, Elisha is an example of Christ. Gehazi is an example of us preachers, the modern-day minister, the imperfect servant, the under-shepherd. He says, run now to her and ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? So Gehazi is being obedient. He runs down the hill, down the mountain. And he's running. And he's running. He's just being obedient, y'all. He's just doing what his master told him to do. He's just being obedient to what God wants him to do and what his leadership is telling him to do. He's just being obedient. Some of y'all just need to be obedient. You're like, oh, man, I want to be in the choir. I want to sing on stage. But pastor wants me to be a greeter. The reason why pastor wants you to be a greeter is because you can't sing. (laughs) Keep running. Just be obedient. And use some breath mints. If you're going to do it, do it right. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lord, for talking about people's breath. Forgive me, Jesus. He gets down to her and says, girl, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she goes, it is well. She didn't even tell her pastor. See, I'm convinced before you tell anybody, call on the Lord. Make that your make that your habit. Don't pick up your phone, don't tweet, don't don't text. Don't Facebook asking for prayer. No, you pray. You call on the Lord. You call him. You reach out to him. He wants to hear about it from you, not secondhand. He wants to know from the one he loves. That's you. What's going on? Remember that song mama Horatio G. Spafford wrote, wife and, what, two daughters die in a, 
in a terrible, their ship sinks in the Atlantic Ocean, and he sails over the spot with, with, with the letterhead stationary. When he got the message, he wrote a, 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 what he thought might have been a poem on a piece of paper, and it went like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. I love that. I love that. And lo, haste the day when my fate shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. She was willing to say it is well when it wasn't. And because of that, she got to the mountain. there's people around you. They can at times be a distraction from you getting to the mountain. When you get to the point where you're you're just talking to them about it and talking to them about it, you're talking about it, but you're not fixing it. The only one that can fix it was the manufacturer of your life, the author and the perfecter of your faith. If you'll just go to him and you just let the distractions go to the side, when she gets to the mountain, oh, I got to hurry up. The Bible says she dives on Elisha's feet. I discovered through studying the word that nearly every woman who has an encounter with Jesus or an example in the Old Testament of Jesus finds that encounter at his feet. Ruth and Boaz. Her mother says, her mother-in-law says, go present yourself. Where, what do I do? She goes, go to his feet. Lay down at his feet. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool, right? Esther. Queen Esther in Xerxes, she, she comes before the king to save the Jews from annihilation, and she kneels and bows at his feet. He extends its scepter. She touches it, and millions of Jews are saved in annihilation. In the New Testament, we got Jesus, right? And Jesus meets the woman caught in the very act of adultery. They throw her down at his The woman with the issue of blood gets healing at his <laughs> Mary anoints him and kneels down at his She's grabbing a hold of his feet. The feet of a man of God in the, in, the, in the Old and the New Testament represent a part, not all, but a part of his intimacy. His bosom is considered intimate. His sexuality and his feet in a ceremonial foot washing between he and his wife. So when Mary does that, ooh, yeah, we'll talk about that. She's at his feet in Gehazi, the imperfect servant. We're not perfect. He goes to push her off. Girl, this ain't right. This is uncouth. And Elisha says, leave her alone. What did Jesus say when the woman came and anointed him? They go, this oil could have been sold for much and the money given to the poor. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Leave her alone. The poor you will have with you also always, but me you will not always have. (laughs) He says, leave her alone. For her soul is in bitter distress. And the Lord has kept it from me until now. She looked up from the ground with mud on her face, tears in her eyes. And she says, did I even ask a son of you, my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? I read that and I thought, man, she's a jerk. But I translated it improperly. I've done it before. Probably do it again. Kept reading. She said this. No, my Lord, man of God, don't send Gehazi to go heal my son. She says, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. Come on, keyboard. You better get that B3 back up here. Get that thing fixed. We got work to do. Shoo. Shaka Khan. When you don't have an organ up here, I feel for you. What did she say to him? See, when it seems like your dream is dead and gone, and you don't know what to do, find your mountain. Find a place of intimacy with God. Even if you're all alone, find that place. When you get there, don't let go. And then use God's word against it. He loves it when you do that. I love it when my kids do it. Because if I promise my kids something, I'm more than capable of providing it. I only promise things I can provide. That's the only thing I do because I'm, I'm a halfway good dad. But he's a good, good father. He'll never promise you something he can't provide. So when you hold him to his word, he loves that. 
He smiles because you're his child. But she used his words against him. What, what do you mean? One year ago, everybody say a year ago, Elisha said those exact same words to his master, Elijah. Remember? Elijah's going to heaven in a chariot of fire. So cool. I can't wait when I get to heaven to see the replay of that. And, 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 and before he goes, they stop at three places. Jericho and, and, and they stop at Gilgal. Oh, man. And, and, and as they're stopping, Elijah says to Elisha, right? He goes, stay here, bro. I got to go. Stay at the place of victory. Stay at the place of surrender. Stay at the place of perfection. Stay there. I've got to go. And Elisha, each of the three times, says, no, my Lord, man of God, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. And they finally cross the Jordan River together. And Elijah looks at his understudy, Elisha, and he goes, bro, you keep following me. Where I go, you cannot go. I love that Jesus changed all that. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Elijah says, I'm going where you can't go. So why are you following me like this? What do you want? When it seems like your dream is dead and gone, when it seems like all hope is lost, you don't know what to do, go find a place where you can be alone with God. And when you get to that place of intimacy and prayer, tell him what you want. But do not ask for stuff. Don't waste your immortal opportunity asking for the things of this world. It's why we must transfer our thinking from a young person like me and you who wants them J's to a, a grandparent who's already got all the stuff they could possibly want and they figured out that another ring, another pair of shoes, another dress, another car won't make anything better. I must have Jesus. I just want Jesus. Some people want diamond rings. I just want you, Jesus. When you get to that place, don't ask for no junk, man. Ask for him. What did Elisha say? Elisha, when Elijah said, what do you want? Why do you keep following me? Ooh, I just, I want Jesus to stop and go, hey, Alan, why do you keep following me like this? What's wrong with you? I bump into him. Because my treasure is you. You're what I want. I'm following you like an ugly duckling because I love you. I'll do anything for you. Elisha said, I know you got to go. I just want more of you and me. We read a double portion of your spirit. Skip all that. He says, I want to be your spiritual son, and I want the spiritual deposit that you would give a firstborn. I want it for me. I want more of you and me. And Elijah goes, That's, I've never even heard of that. I love that. He goes, but God can do it. So if you see me go to heaven, then that means God said you can have it. And he did. He was twice the prophet, twice the miracle worker, twice the warrior Elijah ever was. And now this woman is using his own words against him. Why? Because she spent so much time with him, she knew the story. If you don't know your word, you're, you're not blessed to repeat it. I know when I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover because I know my history. I know the word. When you know that word, you're blessed to repeat it. And so she used his word against him. And guess what? He jumps up and goes back to the house with her. Because she didn't say, I'm mad. You gave me a baby and you killed it. She said this. Even if my son doesn't live, even if the promise that I'm expecting never comes to pass, I'm not leaving you. I'm not giving up on you. I still want you in my life, in my family's life, in my house. Jesus, if the miracle doesn't come the way I expect it to, I'm not quitting. I'm not cheating. I'm not leaving. I'm not giving up because my treasure is not the life of my child. My treasure is your life in me. That's what I want. I just want you. I just want you. Solomon was smart enough to ask for it and God gave it him everything. Everything. That's how we say where I come from. He goes back to the house. Come on up here, handsome. I need you. And the boy's there lying dead on his bed. Come here, handsome. Say your name. Devin. This is Devin. Everybody say, what's up, Devin? Devin, lay down right there. Yep. We're going to bring him back to life. Don't worry. The boy's there lying dead in his bed. Oh, man. And the Bible says Elisha walks in the room and he closes the door. Jesus said, when you pray, go into the inner room and shut the, and the God who sees you pray and see it will reward you 
openly. He goes in and shuts the door and he walks back and forth in the house praying. And the Bible says he gets up and he puts and put and put Sorum and put his mouth on the dead boy's mouth, his hands on the dead boy's hands, and his eyes on the dead boy's eyes. Really strange. And the flesh of the child became warm. And Elisha gets back up and walks back and forth in the house praying again. And he puts once again. And the Bible says he stretches himself out on the child. Now, at first, you know, I had a good picture because this is, I, this is, you know, what really happened. I had a good picture of him laying on the child like a cross. Okay, you know, and, and I pictured him putting his eyes. On the dead boy's eyes. Hey. His hands on the dead boy's hands. And putting his mouth. For real, that'd be like a black on black crime. You know what I'm saying? But then I read this great term, Gauhar. Gauhar, when he stretches himself out on the child. So just bear with me. I think maybe that the reality that the Bible is not just historically true and archaeologically true, which they're discovering right now. It's taking a long time. And scientifically true. But the Bible's medically true. So what do we do when somebody comes in comatose? We, we put our hands on their hands, don't we? And, and if they're comatose, we might put our eyes on their eyes, won't we? And if they're not breathing, we might put our mouth on their mouth. Could this be the first case of supernatural CPR? Here's what's amazing. Remember we used to do this? You know we don't do that anymore? That's no longer used? All that's needed is this. You know why? Gauhar. He stretched himself out on the child. That term literally means to empty oneself of self. What's in me that if I empty it out of my mouth into him might just give him new life? Ruach, the breath of life. Could it be that he went, Ruach, and the boy sneezes seven times and gets up completely healed by the power of God? Get out of here, handsome. What is dead or dying on the bed in your house right now? We serve a God who says this, if you make your bed, I'll lay in it with you. No matter where it is, maybe you have a dream that's dead at your house. Maybe you have a marriage that's dead on your bed at your house. Maybe you have an invention that's dead on your bed at your house. I want you to know that we serve a God who specializes in bringing dead things back to life. And he will breathe new life into your dream. Oh, it may be dead, all the professionals telling you it's dead, but don't you believe for a minute that God can't reverse the course in the life of that that dream. Can I pray for you? Nobody trying to leave. You trying to leave, I'm going to tackle you. I ain't scared of none of y'all. I'm six foot three, 200 pounds. Tackle the mess out you. I'm from the you, and we'll go to jail for the right reason. Don't move, but let's pray. Bow your head for just a moment. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, Alan, my relationship with God is in trouble. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Christ, and I need Jesus. When I count to three, I want you just to raise your hand. And once you put it up, you can put it right back down. You say, man, I need a relationship with Christ because I don't have one. Or I let it fall off, and I want to start a boot. I want to reboot. I want to start again. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand straight up in the air, and you can put it right back down. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I want you to be real. Are you ready? Here we go. I need that prayer. Pray for me, preacher, that Jesus and I will be once again in a relationship. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it up real quick, real quick. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else you're worth waiting for? Yes. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yeah. Awesome. Do you have loved ones that you want to know Jesus? If you have loved ones that need Jesus in their life, will you raise your hand for them? I want the greatest Christmas present for you. The greatest Thanksgiving gift for you is our whole house and every generation that we know and and, and every generation that we see to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you wave at God right now? Just wave your hand at him. God, do you see me? Yes, he does. 
He didn't miss you. As pastor gave such a prophetic word, he didn't miss one thing. Not one thing. Grab your neighbor by the hand. Once you have their hand, as soon as you have their hand, you can stand. Go ahead. Yeah. As soon as you have their hand. Now look at your neighbor and say, I got you now. You can't escape. We're family. Look at the other person. Tell them, we're family. You're stuck with me now. That's what I love about Calvary, man. We're family. We'll always be family. And we'll always look just a little bit mixed up. Because this ain't a generic church. It's a color label church. Some of y'all too young to know about that. This is a church full of color. We got brown, yellow, white. Love me some white people. White people, you got a bad rap in 2016. I want you to know, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on unity. We're going to come together in a whole fresh new way in the next 365 days. There's a new unity coming to this nation because you are going to bring it. And I'm thankful for you. Asians, Latinos, we love you. You look like heaven in here. Man, it's beautiful. Hold that neighbor's hand up shoulder high. <laughs> don't lift it any higher because there's short people in here. They don't want to fly. I believe I can fly. Say this prayer out loud with me. You can say it with a smile on your face because it's redemption time. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life so I can have new life. I give you all of me, past, present, and future. All my sin, I surrender completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you.